Welcome to Breaking Doctrine, Foxhole Fundamentals, a U.S. Army Combined Arms Center podcast. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the official position of the United States Army, the U.S. Army Training and Doctrine Command, or the Combined Arms Center. Welcome to Breaking Doctrine, Foxhole Fundamentals, a U.S. Army Combined Arms Center podcast that addresses the basic tenets, principles, and Army doctrine. I'm Captain Wyatt Harper, and this podcast topic is Create Shared Understanding. With me today is Sergeant Major Bill Ferguson, the Sergeant Major of the Mission Command Center of Excellence. Previously, Sergeant Major served as the Battalion Command Sergeant Major for the 4th Engineer Battalion at Fort Carson, and then went on to serve as the Brigade Command Sergeant Major for the 1st Engineer Brigade at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Sergeant Major, welcome to the show. Hey, thank thank you very much, sir. It's uh, it's great to be on here and be able to talk out to our audience of you know some non-commissioned officers, uh, junior officers, and uh, you know just folks out there in the field that are doing you know the the great work for the nation. And uh, we're up here in uh, you know beautiful Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, and in Tradoc. It's our job to make sure that we're providing all the things that we need to for the force. And uh, I think it's good to have that you know touch point with between the generating force and the operating force to have these discussions. So looking forward to doing this and looking forward from feedback from the field. Awesome. So in this episode, we are going to discuss how to create shared understanding. And isn't just something that commanders need to focus on, but something everyone in the formation needs to worry about. So whether you're in a leadership role and you're trying to get soldiers to understand you, or you're in a follower role and you're trying to understand your leaders, it can be challenging. Shared understanding is also a principle that's in mission command. So um, getting everybody on the same page is, is incredibly important, and we're going to cover that today. But the Combined Arms Doctrine Directorate, or CAD, has produced ADP 622 Army Leadership and, and the Profession in audiobook form, as well as ADP 6L, Mission Command, Command and Control of Army Forces. Both of these have good sections on how to create shared understanding, but here's a clip from the audiobook from ADP 622 Army Leadership and the Profession. Create shared understanding. Competent leaders know themselves, the mission, and the message. They owe their organizations and subordinates information that directly applies to their duties, providing context and purpose. Sharing information contributes to shared understanding. Additionally, sharing information prepares subordinates for future duties and greater responsibility. The audiobook versions of ADP 622 as well as ADP 60 are available on the Central Army Registry, and we'll put that link in the show notes. So, Sergeant Major, today we're going to talk about uh, shared understanding and how you create that. Oftentimes in the after-action review, the AAR, we will hear either sustains or improvements, and they always kind of come back to communication being an issue. And that has many factors tied to it, right? So we can have an equipment aspect like my my radio lost its fill, or the plan wasn't clear. Um, in the case that it goes well, what, what I what I've heard in my experience, and I'm sure you have too, is that you hear people say everyone knew what they were supposed to do. I knew my role. I knew what my platoon's role was. And this is just, isn't just at the tactical level either. We see this at the operational level as well. So I'd like to start off with just your thoughts and experience on when communication was poor. Yeah, we'll start there, and then I, I want to know, like, the circumstances, and then if you can recall, like, the consequences, um, so we can kind of convey the importance of having shared understanding. 
No, uh, th this is good, and and I think it's really good to you know focus back onto what the you know doctrinal terms are for shared understanding, and you know there there might be some angst out in the field on you know hey doctrine you know it's, it kind of has like a, ne a negative connotation to it for some things, but if you take it in things um, as a term of the playbook, you, we all have to know what the playbook is because when the conditions change on the battlefield and we need to know when it's appropriate to call an audible, then we know how to go back to, hey, what is the fundamental here? And everyone knows those fundamentals, and therefore we can make an audible on the call, and we're still speaking the same language out there to our, to our uh, peers on the left and right and to our soldiers in higher headquarters, and they'll be able to know where we're going when we have to deviate from an original plan. So it's good to know what shared understanding means for the, for the whole team to be on it. Um, when, when things were not so well, when communication was poor, uh, you know, yes, there's plenty of examples we can have. Um, but what I would like to go back to is a, um, a culture of when I had communications and shared understanding was poor. And, you know, there's, uh, there's a couple things, you know, to unravel with this. So it, over a decade ago, us platoons aren't deployed, right? You know, we, we had those experiences. And during those 15 months of a deployment, I had three platoon leaders. Uh, and that, that was quite interesting. And you change that dynamic and that relationship between you and your platoon leader each, each time uh, and going through. Midway through the deployment, um, we had a platoon sergeant LPD of some sort with the battalion command team. And it was something to where the battalion commander was saying, hey, you know, we were discussing all the things that were going well and not going well with the organization. And it was something to where the battalion commander was like, hey, platoon sergeants, I don't think you're clear of what my intent is. And I thought I was going to get fired because I said, sir, <laughs> we've been here for quite a while. I don't know what your intent is. Can, can you elaborate? Can you share that with us? Because our mission has changed multiple times during this right here. We have seen lots of transition uh, in leadership and a lot of transition in our mission. And that hasn't been necessarily communicated so well. To the point to where I was on patrol with my platoon leader and the battalion commander ran into us in, in the city and... He pretty much cussed out my platoon leader for us not, our mission wasn't targeted towards his intent. And they kind of created a culture to where we weren't understanding what his intent was as, you know, the battalion commander down through the company into the platoon. And I was in a position to where I could help my platoon leader with communicating what that intent was when we're planning and executing these missions. A lot of the things we were doing, we were striving to meet what we thought was his intent, but we didn't have that clear communication to where we had feedback mechanisms such as confirmation briefs or anything like that. We were more stuck in a patrol life cycle of getting equipment ready, doing a debrief, getting a pre-brief and going out, and we weren't necessarily focused on a lot more of the task and purpose. We, we thought what we had was a task and purpose, but it was rudimentary in nature. We didn't see how our platoon's mission was nested in the company and battalion level and that's where you know I knew this all throughout growing up the career you know you know that you need to know what the mission is the commander's intent and the mission and commander's intent of two levels up you get so busy with execution all the time 
that sometimes you take those things for granted that you understand what it is and you don't and you're moving on and you're at risk in mission going on and on based off what you thought was an existing intent and we're missing it and that was something that me and the platoon leader definitely had to work on with saying hey let's ensure that you know we're getting this from our higher headquarters and we're conveying it down and now we're having more you know focused mission sets versus achieving you know some metrics on the wall of hey where are we going hey have we you know engaged how many uh partnerships missions did we have with the local security forces the local army did we ensure that the civil affairs project go on were we doing combat um, route clearance missions were we doing partnership missions here uh, when were we doing the cordon search or getting after these time sensitive targets we, we we had a various mission set and therefore we were really focused on how to get each one of those missions done to standard but not seeing how it was all coming together and tying it to the uh, commander's overall picture. We were missing it at the platoon level and we didn't address it ourselves and that was our job as the platoon leadership to get that refined guidance. Because um, it was out there, it just wasn't, it, we didn't have a good system of getting these things down and we didn't have a good enough touch points with the company and battalion command team to ensure it happened. And, that, and that's one of the big takeaways that I had with my platoon leader is making sure that we had that because we, we had some disconnects at our land and our soldiers were paying the cost of it. What it really impacted the soldiers was, you know, we we're going on a mission every day um, and some risky missions. Yes, we were, you know, had some small arms fire engagements, uh, IED detonations. Um, you know, we, we did have a couple soldiers uh, in, in the battalion that, that were wounded. Uh, luckily, uh, we didn't have any soldiers in our organization that were um, KIA. But the focus of the soldiers was just getting ready for the next mission, not necessarily understanding, hey, how it was all tied into. And, you know, for years that we were in Iraq and Afghanistan, this is the, the mindset of uh, some of our soldiers. This is their third deployment, right? So it was kind of like, okay, hey, we're here again. We're doing these things. And now we seem to be doing a lot of the same things in, in a different environment. Um, so it was... It was very taxing on the soldiers to be able to do that. And after the discussions we had and helping the soldiers get through, you know, the task and purpose and uh, getting some more buy-in and getting a lot better feedback from them to help inform and shape and give the, you know, company and battalion commander a clearer picture for shared understanding at their land of what they're seeing from us on the battlefield. Because if we weren't getting after, you know, the commander's intent, we had to tell them this is why we were probably missing it here in this area because these things are happening as well. Um, so it, it improved a little bit um, by being able to do that, but yes, the, the soldiers were definitely at some, uh, some low points uh, with these things. And uh, I think it was probably just some exhaustion that the PL and I had as well to where we weren't able to see a, a lot of their uh, struggles with this until we had this breaking point. And I'm glad we had it, but I wish it would have happened a lot earlier in the rotation and in that mission than you know, eight months in. Mm -hmm. What about when a unit leader has created shared understanding? How did they do it? What, what did that What did that look like? Some great examples of um, shared understanding. You know, there's a few of them to where they not they they could pick up on whether or not the the mission is received by reading people's actions or adjusting the uh, the progress in the unit. 
what, uh, what I've seen some commanders do and some, some leaders do is they start doing, you know, concentric circles around their desk. You know, so if, if, if there is something not happening well in the organization, it's like, well, why are we, why are we not getting right here? Uh, so the leaders have started to say, well, what, what am I doing now to where I'm not doing? Am I, am I not communicating the clear message? Is there something that's in my organization of, you know, hey, if we're getting, having our training meeting and we're discussing this, are we, are we covering the intent and purpose for it to create that? What are we doing to enable that shared understanding? When you have leaders that say, you know, instead of, you know, hey, my soldier's not getting after my intent, they start thinking, what am I doing to ensure that that comes out uh, with that? And it's like, hey, what is the mission set? If we're just giving our units a list of tasks to be done, then, you know, just be more aware of, hey, what am I doing right now in my area? And then getting that feedback from, you know, say your XO, your op sergeant, uh, your ops aren't major, your, your S3, or at the company level, it's like, hey, you know, getting that good uh, feedback. I, as a first sergeant, one of the best feedback I had was from my company operations sergeant for when, you know, the commander and I were, you know, putting some missions out and the company operations sergeant was like, hey, first sergeant, you're, you're not seeing these things very well. This is how you need to readdress this because, you know, the, the issues that second platoon and first platoon are on different pages is because you're communicating to them at separate times versus bringing them in together and getting that feedback. And that they both think that you're getting after what you and the commander want to, but they're doing it in a different way. And you, I just want you to take another look at that. And having those advisors to help you out with that is um, it, it's great. You have to have some trusted advisors and folks that can be your sounding boards and to help you be aware of your, your blind spots. And a lot of folks will refer to them as guardrails. You need to have guardrails in your organization uh, because they will help you make sure that you're slowing down around the curves or anything like that. So you think that with that approach that you mentioned for the was that a battalion commander that would ask, "Am I doing the right thing?" Or are you get okay? Right. Yeah, that was the yeah. battalion commanders and concentric circles around around my desk. Let, let's start. You know, if if we start to assume that the the problem is someone else, then you know you're not going to get after the solution. We we have to be self aware of what we have going on uh, so if we're always looking for you know some mission command system to blame a SOP to blame or anything like that we have to say well what, what am I in charge of because I'm the leader yep. so let, let's start with consensus circles around me and say okay well what is the information I've got out have I have I been a good communicator am I only communicating via email Am I, you know, paying attention as much during the meetings I have to? Am I saying something different to my subordinate units? Say my, if I'm a battalion star major and I'm talking to my first sergeants, but I'm not sharing all that same information with my staff, then I'm not creating shared understanding. It, it has to be having those multiple touch points and, you know, be able to do that. And some of the great enablers for that is what is the culture in your unit, right? So if you have a cohesive team in your unit, I mean, the, you can't have, you know, the chicken before the egg. You want to have them, you know, together. But if your unit is very cohesive, um, you know, if you're doing the good hails and farewells together, if you're having a right arm night, if you're having, you know, some things to where it's not just a mandatory fun day, if you're having an organizational day that you have some spouse buy-in or any of those other things going on, if you're doing a dining in, a dining out, the normal traditions that definitely help bring in a unit then you're going to create an environment to where 
the staff and the command, the, the company ops, the platoons, they're, they're getting together and they have no problem. There's no barriers between the communication because of the culture that's in there. So even if you do have a gap, if somehow that, you know, I'm a first sergeant and I'm sharing information with my platoon sergeants, my platoon sergeants are definitely going to make sure that, hey, did hey, the maintenance sergeant wasn't in there. So let's make sure that the motor sergeant knows what's going on and, and we're going to have this good feedback for the op sergeant because the, you have a cohesive unit that knows that shared understanding is a part of how you build cohesive teams and mutual trust. So if there are gaps with that, that the cohesion, unit cohesion helps uh, with shared understanding. But you get that when you have a leader that knows it could be me as well. If you have a leader that doesn't, you know, doesn't find, you know, any, doesn't realize that they might have a hole in their swing, uh, then, you know, you might not have such a cohesive unit. You think that leader aspect is something uh, more personality driven or is it something which is not taught? Or do you think there's an element of experience and something that we can te be teaching about that, that self-assessment? Absolutely. I, d I definitely think personality is in there uh, and, be and being self-aware of how you like to receive information and things like that. But that's that's why we have command teams. That's why we have XOs. That's why we have operations, you know, the, the sounding boards to be in there. So, you know, the, the adage is, you know, the, you know, you got to let the emperor wear, know that he has no clothes on, right? <laughs> so you, you have to be able to do that. And, you know, it and, and as a sergeant major, I have to know, hey, boss, am I, am I doing the right things well? Because if we don't have this, I mean, that, that is our role as senior enlisted advisors. If you're a platoon sergeant and, and you and the PL are not on the same sheet of what's going on, then it's your job to say, hey, sure, let, ma'am, let's, let's take a look around us. What are we doing at the platoon level to figure out why, why is, you know, why is, you know, third squad not getting after what we need to when it comes to sergeant's time training or when we're trying to get through gunnery tables you know one through you know one through four at their level what are we doing to get after that because if we have gaps then hey that's on us as the platoon command team if you will to figure that out it's it's not on you know necessarily only on the squad leader and that team leader because that's our job to be a a counselor a coach a mentor to, to help them to get to those things and and each one of those, you know, comes in with, you know, that leaders, you know, individual accountability, self-maturity to solve their own problems. But um, it's, it's on us. If, if we start doing that as, a, as command teams, uh, that, that's how you could build it because one personality might not be the same. And therefore, as a command team, you could, again, show those blind spots and be each other's guardrail when it comes to that. Um, so... It's, it's teachable, I would say, as a good command team uh, to do it. As an individual, if, if you're lacking self-awareness and you don't have anyone to tell you about it, uh, it I don't think it's going to happen very well. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Hopefully, I mean, that's like you said, that's why we have we being – I'm an officer, so that's why we have Sergeant Majors and the Warrant Officers too. Absolutely. Well, like DA civilians. DA yeah. civilians. like 100%. I, even our drivers. Oh, man, our, our drivers, you know, that we have, you know, some folks want to say enlisted age or whatever, and some folks say, Sergeant Majors, you're not an authorized a driver on your MTO. Probably not. But, man, what a great asset it is to have uh, a soldier that's right there being the advisor. <laughs> like, 
hey, Sergeant Major, by the way, do you know that, you know, that this, what, what you and the commander have got going on, you know, it's like, hey, there's a lot of soldiers that don't know, say, about the ACFT, and they, they don't have anything about that. I'm like, all right, good. And that means that the battalion commander and I can go out there and talk to soldiers about about their doubts and concerns with the ACFT, but how it relates to, hey, are soldiers fit enough to do our wartime mission? And the ACFT is a better way of doing it. And if we can relay those things as that, but if we didn't have our soldier, our command team driver, if you will, give us that good feedback, then let us know what some of the blind spots are for shared understanding. Then, you know, but I could say might not be an MTO position, but it's invaluable to be able to get those touch points. I and mean, that's a way that you can uh, get feedback and shared understanding. Because it, it's been said before, the, the higher you get up to the top, the less you are to receive the truth. You know, so um, the more po- more people you have around you that can tell you the truth uh, is, is invaluable. I agree. You know, and oftentimes we think about communication as in one aspect. How do I get my point across? Um, however, I think we can make a strong case that the best communicators are the best listeners as well. Um, so... Why do you think it's hard for some leaders to sit back and just listen? So there's um, some trust issues. And, you know, we, we added, um, you know, we added competence as a principal of the mission command, you know, for some of these reasons. So um, there, there's, there's lots of factors that would, you know, inhibit someone's ability to, to listen. Um, if it's our own ego or a hubris that, you know, just doesn't allow for us to, to listen to others. But, you know, if you are a, an advisor to, to anyone, if you're, if you're you know, going to go speak truth to power, um, is to be able to do it with, you know, passion, not emotion, and based off uh, some, some good viewpoints, uh, based off of your, you know, expertise, experience, and, you know, let's say competence. I think those are the things that enable uh, to be able to do that. Self-awareness is a big part of it, is, is how well do you like to receive information? And, you know, how do you receive information? Um, so knowing that and saying, hey, how, how do I like to get um, feedback into it? Uh, if, if your body language is off, right, if, if you always have a no face mm-hmm. on, on you, um, if, if you want to make sure that you're the smartest person in the room and you make other people aware of it, then you're not going to get that feedback and collaboration uh, and insight. Um, and, you know, diversity is not just diversity based off of, you know, uh, gender, religion, you know, creed, race, uh, you know, sexual orientation, any of that. Diversity is about diversity of thought. And I would say all that diversity brings in a different perspective and different experiences and things like that. And just a diversity of thought in any organization helps improve that. And I think, you know, as leaders, we have to be aware that that's why it's important to listen. Um, We have to be aware of our biases. Um, We we have biases to where, you know, say a simple bias is if you if you served in, say, you know, 101st, then I I automatically want to give you credibility because, you know, I got to spend a couple of years there and, you know, it it was a great duty station and all that other stuff. But, you know, am I do I have a favorable bias towards 101st or if I'm I have a different background, would I have a non favorable bias towards it? Um, And then am I aware of my own bias? 
um, because that's something that's a similarity bias to me or is that something to where I have a negative experience and and how I receive information. Self-awareness of how well you receive information is good. But once you know that, once you know how you like to receive information, once you know how you like to listen and whether or not you have some gaps to inform your team of how well you do it. Some folks will say that they're a visual learner, a conceptual learner. They like to see some things, and you say that. But, you know, the results are, hey, if we're, if we're showing, you know, the if, if we're building a train model for the platoon leader and the platoon sergeant and it's not necessarily what they want, then maybe they aren't necessarily a visual learner, right? If it's, you know, it's like, hey, how well are you receiving that? Uh, to get the information in there. And uh, you, you talked about it a little bit earlier. It's like whether or not you're hesitant to receive feedback. Uh, you know, so it's, it's candor, right? Frank, honest, open discussion. That's what we want in our ranks. And I would say that's probably one of the things that, you know, NCOs really pride ourselves on. The old NCO guides, a TC22-6. It's a smaller yellow pamphlet. It's got three holes on the side so you can put it in your like, little leader book. That one definitely talked about candor, and that's the NCL's role uh, is to provide that frank, honest, open feedback. Well, as a leader, do you like to receive candor? I think everyone out there that's listening today would say, yeah, absolutely, I like to receive candor. Well, okay, well, how do you like to receive candor? And there's uh, a great leader that you know, lives a little bit down the road right here, and they talk about it. It's like, okay, well, candor's great. Candor in private before before the decision is made, always welcome, right? You know, we, you know, let's have an open discussion. We're deciding, you know, how we should do that because now we're, you know, like planning our mission, you know, say we're doing our unit training plan at the platoon or company level and we want to make sure we have that open dialogue to be able to get that thing done. So it's, it's public, uh, you know, in here in this environment or it could be private, that small working group, but it's all pre-decisional. So let's have all the open conversation in there, all right? Post decision. All right, your unit training plan's laid out, and you can't be the the NCO that's like, oh, that's a whole bunch of BS. Right? Because it's like it's post decisional. You might be right, but how well are you going to be received? You know, you doing that, and and what else are you bringing onto the table when you're when you're bringing that candor uh, to here? You know, not all of us could be gunny highway. You know, because we don't all have a medal of honor, we can't go talk to the corps <laughs> corps commandant, Marine Corps commandant, and say, hey, you know, this is a big cluster. You know, fill in the blank. so post-decisional you need to figure out hey how are you going to approach that and how how do you receive information if you made a bad decision and you want folks to be able to have enough candor and courage to talk to you about it let them know how you'd like to talk about it and i would probably guarantee you would like to know about it in private so post-decisional in private is probably a okay way to do it right pre-decisional you know public that's okay pre-decisional in private absolutely it's all good you go post-decisional, you made a unit training plan, you're briefing the op order, you're about to hit LD, and your squad leader says, man, this is all jacked up. Publicly, post-decisional, you know, you might not receive that candor so well. And that was something that, you know, I learned as a, as a platoon sergeant as well. It's like, you know, we briefed a plan, we got to that point, and we're like, hey, that happened. And I'm like, I did not react well to it, and it's not going to, and it's going to be kind of ugly, Okay. Um, I need to be aware of that, and that way I can remain unemotional. I can address it as it needed to be at that time, and I could address the individual and say, oh, okay, hey, you have some valid points. Here's a better way of doing it. What are your points now that we could address that? And I need to create a culture to make sure that that NCO knows, you know, hey, 
bring me this candor earlier in the decision-making process, probably in private, to be able to do these things. And that's if we get to talk to folks about how we want to receive, you know, say candor or bad news, you know, know that how you like to receive it and talk to your team about how, how to do that. And that creates shared understanding. When you know yourself and you get that feedback from your peers of how well you know yourself, I, I think that's really good to set an environment and a culture for creating shared understanding. And you won't have necessarily the morale issues or the indiscipline issues or anything else like that to where, you know, you're, we're not going to run a mutiny or any of those other things, but we need to have a culture for open dialogue to where people are, you know, there's a term out there, psychological safety. Do folks feel safe telling you what, what is on their mind in their organization? And we need to be able to do that. If this is my squad, if this is really going to work, then every leader needs to have that in that small group to make sure that we have a, uh, an environment where folks can be able to talk to us and we know how to communicate with each other. Um, and we got to learn uh, our little nuances. And, and if we have a little blind spot in there, we don't do this, then I think being able to recognize that amongst each other, how well we receive information or not, is uh, it's imperative. We've talked about communication being a leader responsibility, but how about the followers? And you kind of touched on it. But what are your thoughts on followership? Start with a, a confirmation brief or, or a back brief uh, when you have this. And like, okay, if this is what our mission is going to be, if this is uh, our, you know, our way forward, um, okay, let's, let's make sure and get that confirmation brief, back brief in there. Um, but also it was like, hey, if, uh, you know, uh, staff starting to mind, you know, as a platoon if, 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 you know, we had that conversation, you know, like – you know, I'd be able to say, all right, well, you own it now. I like that this is going to be at the point. And, and as a platoon sergeant, you know, one of the hardest things for me as a platoon sergeant is to realize I actually wasn't in charge of the platoon. The platoon leader's in charge of the platoon, and the squad leaders are really working for the platoon leader to get things done. And I'm really the platoon leader's advisor, and I'm a good mentor to the squad leaders. And, you know, the rating chain is going to be different kind of in different units but I mean that's the role so it's like hey as you're providing this thing it's like hey squad leaders do we all understand it all right this is your mission what what else do you need from me and then once they get that to where it's like hey you know I do I do own this and then, you know that that's where you really get into the followership uh and, and, and to where it's leadership at their level and their team leaders are you know communicating that that followership uh piece in there um but that's where we have you know that overall i would say general military authority throughout the army and that's what's great and you know what what is our number one advantage is our people in our army and it's the nco core the the envy of all armies out there is that the ncos you know it's like hey once you have this hey we all know whatever mission is going to happen it's probably going to happen at the company below level then we're going to say ncos make it happen Right. So, I mean, that's that's the followership in there. If we ensure that we have a confirmation brief, a back brief, and we understand what's going on, hey, Sergeant, you own it now. You know, you, you got it. All right, I'm here as a mentor, you know, help you guide it. But, you know, this is you. And, you know, they'll. Um, I would say I, I'm really surprised of what our subordinate units will, will do, but I'm always amazed with, you know, the initiative. that, And that's, that's where the other aspects of Mission Command comes in, you know, the initiative. You know, we, are we accepting risk at, you know, at their levels that's appropriate to that, to their level, you know, at the, you know, company and platoon level, are they accepting that? Because they have that shared understanding. They know exactly what their left and right limits are. 
uh, doing that. And it, once it becomes owned at each individual level and say, hey, you know, you know, this is my squad. Yes, this is my platoon. This is my company. This is my mission. And as a whole, you know, we, we get that. And, and that's where I would say followership it's kind of what it means. It's like, hey, I, I've taken ownership at my level, uh, and I, I've trusted, you know, my higher headquarters, you know, with giving me everything we need, and, and we got it from here. It, it's a good battle handoff of, you know, delegation of authorities and responsibilities, you know, delegation of authority. How, how did you prepare yourself in this realm? Uh, there's a good leader out there, and I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and name him. Uh, he, he's retired now. Uh, only met him twice, actually, but I remember everything he said to me. Um, and he talked about the NCO's role in, in mission command. And I've used this ever since, you know, we had this conversation, you know, it was in a small little LPD. And the NCO's role in mission command is to transmit, translate, and to inspire. Okay, I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm like I wrote that down. It's three things. It's easy to remember. Good. It's in my book. I, I got it. Uh, but, you know, you went on to elaborate. It's like, hey, our, our role is not commission officers and leaders for that matter is to, you know, communicate and make sure that the message is out, the information that we have. It's not just, you know, note-taking, passing notes. It's like, hey, we need to ensure that the commander's intent is understood, you know, two levels down. We, we need to get that uh, down there. Um, and there, there's an adage out there about a core commander can get the message down to the private in like 97 days. You know, I've heard that one recently. Okay, well, we need to find a way to continue to do that. we got to do command messaging as, as the NCOs to uh, continue that. But it's more about putting out the message. And translating is probably a very important piece of it. So instead of just talking at our soldiers, talking at our people, we need to talk to them. And sometimes you might have to translate some things that uh, comes from higher or a uh, Alarac that's out there that I don't understand. And no, I'm not telling you to interpret it and come up with your own meetings, but it's translated to where it understands to someone at their level. Um, and, you know, it's very hard to do, but knowing your audience, you can communicate why, you know, this is important to them. It's like, why, why is the ACFT important to, you know, your unit? Well, in our unit, say, you know, we are bridge builders, and a panel of acro bridge weighs over 1,000 pounds. Well, we need to be relatively fit, and push-ups, sit-ups, and a two-mile run might not get us there. Everything we do with war fighting, and the ACFT is a better measure of doing that, that we will be better combat engineers in, in placing a, a bridge panel. If we're able to communicate those things into terms to where folks can understand, that is our role as non-commissioned officers because – we, we have that experience and those touch points with enlisted soldiers from private through Sergeant Major, uh, all those things, and we need to put ourselves back into those positions and have that um, good perspective to be able to communicate to them. A little bit of adding on to, you know, how to translate. Uh, recent discussion I had with someone is that you might have to tell someone seven times in seven different ways for them to own what you're saying, for them to really understand it. Uh, so it's not necessarily just having a consistent message, but to be able to say that message maybe in seven different ways and seven different times to have that cons consistency kind of, you know, I'm not going to say beat in, but, you know, a repetitive nature into where it's fully understood and embraced. And, and that's, you know, a difficult challenge, you know, as you're looking at it. And that's, you know, as I was thinking, yeah, I got the transmit, trans, uh, 
translate and inspire. I got that down from being an Italian brigade sergeant major, but as I'm learning in this job is seven times in seven ways is helping me translate that message to where it's like I'm, I'm getting out of the talking at people and talking to them because I'm able to re- relate with what they have going on. And then finally is, is <clears throat> you know, inspiring. You know, if, if you're doing the same things you're asking the soldiers to do, if you're doing the same things that, you know, your leaders are doing, if your audio is matching your, your visual, all right, if, if that's going on, that, that's good for you. So leading from the front, uh, doing those things, and then continuing to make sure that the soldiers have that task and purpose so they understand the why uh, behind those things. And, and that, that's our role in mission command is, you know, to transmit, translate, and to inspire. Uh, I, I've learned that, and I know it's not a doctrinal term yet, but yeah, Sergeant Major, uh, retired Mark Giannotti, he used to be the, uh, the capel Sergeant Major and uh, the, um, uh, over here just in the building, and I remember that from about four years ago. Uh, I'm still using it today uh, to help me get better at creating shared understanding. Cool, Sergeant Major. Anything else you want to add before you take off? No, no. Hey, team, thank you very much. If there's, if there's anything we could do out here in the generating force, uh, out there for the operational force, because, you know, we all, we all know what it's like to be on, in, in the foxhole uh, and getting after those things. So thank you, everything, for what you're doing. If there's something we could do uh, to provide you more information and tools that, you know, are more apt to what you're, you're looking at, because we don't necessarily, you know, want to just throw doctrine out there so that's why we're throwing you know the audiobooks the podcast or any other tools to put resources in the warfighters hands let us know that feedback and you know that's that's a great honor to be here in the mission command center of excellence to be able to do that and to advocate for the warfighter uh and to kind of put those tools out there so anything from the field that they need just look us up and contact us and then we'll see what we can do for you Cool. Thanks, great time. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, I think that does it for this episode of Breaking Doctrine, Foxhole Fundamentals. I'd like to thank our listeners and note that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the official position of the United States Army, the U.S. Army Training and Doctrine Command, or the Combined Arms Center. I'm Captain White Harper. This is Breaking Doctrine, Foxhole Fundamentals. <laughs>